Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are in these days before the great feast of the Tiffany of our Lord, the pre-feast of Christmas, which is why you hear in all the hymnody all the themes of Christmas. Because the church, with great feasts, there is, depending on the feast, there are a few days that there's basically a ramping up of intensity to then the feast itself. And then you have a period of the feast where all the hymnody, of course, is about the feast. And you can hear it even in the hymnody right now that telling Bethlehem to prepare, that we are on the way to the cave. The church, historically, with Christmas, uh, the focus, at least in the Greek-speaking part of the church, was not in the first few centuries uh, Christmas, which for us, uh, especially as Americans, it's like, well, Christmas, how, how can you be a Christian without Christmas? We have all of this built-up tradition and, and everything with Christmas, and in some ways we kind of have that kind of phrase, uh, Christmas and Easter Christian. Sometimes it's more Christmas than it is Easter. There's just this focus and intensity around Christmas. Well, for the first few hundred years, I think at least 500, 600 years in the Greek-speaking church, there was not a feast of Christmas, per se. The focus, actually, this is, once we get to the Feast of Theophany, you can kind of hear it. The focus, actually, is on Theophany, the idea that God in coming has illumined, given light to the world. So Christmas and Theophany were very closely associated for the first few centuries, and then there came actually imported from the Roman uh, part of the church, the Western Latin-speaking part of the church, the Feast of Christmas, and then kind of the building up. There was uh, the Church of Jerusalem was actually the last holdout of adopting Christmas as a feast uh, until basically they were told you, you need to do Christmas. So they finally capitulated and do Christmas now. The themes of Christmas, there's very many of them, and the church, when it comes to these major feasts, you know, especially if you think back to Lent, uh, especially to Holy Week, but even through every week of Lent, there's a theme that is drawn out. So if you were to look at all the hymnody for the weeks even up to Holy Week, and in the days of Holy Week, you get a particular parable, like uh, the cursing of the fig tree, but you get these specific images that the church brings up to put before you to contemplate. And this is the same with this feast of nativity. And especially once we put out the icon of the nativity uh, at the vigil for this feast, all the hymnody is shown in the icon. And you can kind of move around the icon of the various themes. I tend to, partly because Joseph never really, when I was growing up, really figured into Christmas for me. He's just kind of there somewhere in the background. But he's actually at the forefront of an icon in the corner because he is wrapped with doubt. Uh, He's been obedient. He's done what he needs to do. But he still, and there's usually depicted an icon, 
a little fellow who has this like ragged looking thing on. He's kind of like pointing or he's, he's basically the devil messing with Joseph. Then when we come to a great feast like Christmas, there is a lot of pain and suffering that happens around the holidays for many of us. And that there is in the wisdom of the church as she makes us kind of put on different people in the icon, as it were, as we go through the hymns, that you sit with Joseph and his doubt. You move then to the shepherds, who are kind of just going about their business. They're just doing what they're doing. And then all of a sudden, it's like Christmas is here. And you can kind of relate. It's like you're kind of just going around all of a sudden. It's like next week is Christmas. What? <laughs> I know we've been preparing for this, but okay, here it is. And then the angels are singing. You're like, whoa, okay. Caught off guard, lost in what business you have to take care of. And then the church has us think about the wise men, those from the, the hymnody, it talks about Persia, those uh, who were wise in all of the arts. These are the philosophers, these are the scientists, these are the wisdom of the world, beyond just Israel, that they, in finding that the wisdom of the world pointed to the coming of God, that they come and they give, and if you look at some of the hymns, especially during this pre-feast time, talking about how the gifts that they give are all tied up with Christ's kingship, Christ's sacrifice, Christ coming to save the entire world. Then the hymns turn, and we look and join the choir of the angels, even, <clears throat> to sit and be amongst the angels, because the church never fails to remind us, and you, the very first few hymns of Lord Out of Paul, which is Vespers in general, is a penitential uh, focused service, not that we ever really get away from penitential in the Orthodox Church, but there's a special line of this in Vespers. And it's all clap your hands, get the symbols out. There's joy that is coming to join the angelic hosts as they sing, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill to men. That we then also take the eyes of the point of view of the Theotokos. And the church, often the hymnody around the Theotokos around this feast is all the awe of what is going on. That God is coming to make his home with us. That he is to sojourn with us. That he is to become one of us. And throughout all of this, the church is echoing, or at least trying in its hymns, and even in not just the melodies, but even in the structure of the poetry of the hymns, it's <clears throat> tying this time together with Holy Week and with Pascha, that we have the same awe, right? The, the one who is hanging on the cross is the one who hung the stars, the firmament, all of creation. We come to this feast and we have the same focus the one who created all things is now put into swaddling clothes. And the swaddling clothes, as the hymns tell us, are a foreshadowing. They echo 
the grave clothes that our Lord in his death will be wrapped with. The hymns of the church teach us in many ways how we can approach this feast to contemplate, to take just a little bit of our time, because I know how this particular season, there's something about Holy Week and Pascha, because we're so, <laughs> we are the vast minority in this country, very often we don't even share a Holy Week and Pascha with other Christians around us, but with Christmas, we are right in the middle of it with all of those around us, and so it's very easy to get swept up, to get lost in everything that is going on, instead of taking just a few moments to sit, to contemplate, to even just use the icon of this feast, and just move around the icon and consider the different aspects of the feast and ways in which you can imitate ways in which you can identify with and find solace in someone like Joseph, that you can give glory like the angels, or you can even be like some of the dumb beasts that are in the icon too, and just know that you're in the right place, and maybe you can't speak exactly to what it is, but you know that the one who's now in the feeding trough is the one. So, brothers and sisters, let us, as we prepare for this feast, prepare not only our ovens and our breads and our sweets and all that other stuff and the gifts, but let us prepare our hearts and minds to receive him who was born for our salvation. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.